to the glory in our stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Jesus and Antoinette Ramos. people that I've known in my lifetime so far. Um, today I'm interviewing Jesus and Antoinette Ramos, uh, a term that myself and many of us knew one day we would be saying ever since uh, middle school and probably elementary school. But uh, I've known these guys for almost 20 years. Um, we'll go back to maybe seventh grade when I met Jesus. He was a. <laughs> he gave me my own my first school nickname. I'm like, well, it does somewhat rhyme with Pennywell, in a sense. But uh, if you're ever curious as to what that is, you can ask him, because uh, that's something that he made up on the spot. Um, I actually met Antoinette in eighth grade in Miss Champions class. We were it was an eight four. Yes. Eight four at the end of the hall. Yes, I believe so. We were at the end of the hall. Yeah, because I was in 8-3, which was right in the next middle. to us. Yeah, right next to you guys. So what they did is they would split up the grades into like four sections. You'll have like 6-1. If you're in 6th grade, you have 6-1, 6-2, 6-3, 6-4. With us, we were 8-3 and 8-4. And so uh, but I'm not going to... I can go on all day about <laughs> the countless... <laughs> Experiences that we've had, uh, not just as friends, but in the classroom settings, uh, in real life. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and start asking them questions. These are questions that I'm pretty certain that I know, but I'm looking forward to finding out new things. So, uh, Jesus and that, uh, if you can tell me, because I know y'all f- are from different areas concerning not just the South but America in general. Uh, obviously Jesus had more of a extended um, place of origin. But where are you uh where are you guys from originally? Uh born in Atlanta but raised in Thompson, Georgia by my mom, Annette Tankersley. Yes. I've <laughs> been told that a lot in my life. <laughs> so have I. But yeah, that's that's where I grew up. Um big family. A lot of women. A lot of cousins. <laughs> it was good times and bad times, but Thompson, Georgia is where I'm from. Yeah, I grew up in um I was born actually in Chihuahua, Chihuahua, Mexico. And lived in Juarez, which is a border town, to El Paso, Texas, where I also lived a couple of years. My family lived there in those three areas, I think, until the age of seven or eight. We ended up moving to Thompson, Georgia in 1996. 
We're here. We came when the Olympics were going on, or had just happened, I believe. Started fourth grade at Norris mm. Elementary yeah. with you guys. And so you knew Aunt in fourth grade? Well, no. No, we didn't meet until seventh grade. Seventh grade. No. Six, six, sixth seven, grade. six, sixth grade is kind of where we first saw each other. Mm-hmm. And I guess my crush began there, mm-hmm. but we didn't actually like talk or meet or interact much until seventh grade. Mm. So twelve, seventh grade. We were twelve, thirteen. Yeah, I think so. Twelve, thirteen. I mean, you know. You don't know, because you might have been like 14. Probably, yeah. More than likely. Wow. Because I remember, because we would always see each other in passing in seventh grade. And then, was it eighth grade that we ended up in Mr. F- was it Mr. Freeman's class? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it eighth grade? No, that was seventh grade. Wow. So we did have a class together. Yeah. I think that was the only one. Yeah, so the interesting thing how it unfolded was I actually had seen Antoinette in passing mm-hmm. because she was with the softball team and I used to always see her um, with, I was going to the soccer uh, stuff and we didn't necessarily have a class or had any connection at all academically or even socially, like our social circles didn't connect. I don't even really can say that I had a social circle back then, but we had two non-English speakers move into the school, mm-hmm. um, and the two ladies needed a lot of help in communicating, so they asked me if I could facilitate for them, mm-hmm. and I ended up being transferred to all their classes or they ended up they ended up transferring us to I guess classes that were for both of us no they were already on my team and in my classes okay so so then they transferred me to their classes and we ended up meeting there because I think we had I remember we had math this is the only class I remember us having I don't know if we had another one I think it was it science Um, because we had English too, maybe. I had a couple of classes together. Because it was me, you, Jennifer Bell, Therese. Yeah. But that's kind of how it ended up happening. And I got to, that's where I got to meet her and get to know her more, get to know her circle of friends. And my circle then kind of grew a little bit more with her peers. But you having to pretty much be a translator. Right. It, how was that? Was that difficult for you? Because that's pretty... Because I know once you... Because I'm, learn, I'm learning this being in the dental college. A lot of students, a lot of kids that come through the lines, they're able to speak uh, English, but they have to speak for their parents. But to have that responsibility at such a young age is pretty heavy. So how was, how was that experience for you? having to take upon that responsibility as having to speak for somebody else, but at the same time, 
in, in experience you're learning, experience in, in school? Yeah, I think you don't, at that young age, at least I don't remember understanding the weight of my actions or mm-hmm. the responsibility that I had. You know, I was just kind of like, they need you to do something, you're just kind of doing it. You know what I'm saying? You don't mm-hmm. you don't realize how important or how stressful or the significance of it to an extent. Mm-hmm. But obviously you know that you're needed and having been in their predicament in fourth grade where I came in, had no one to speak to, had literally no friends, you know, just you're thrown into a new culture, new language. I knew how intimidating that was and how difficult that was. So I wanted to be able to help them. And at the same time, this, if I remember correctly, this was almost happening simultaneously when we were, had just recently started attending a church where the pastor had asked me to translate for the congregation. So it it almost kind of like was working along in different facets of my life. You know, I was like translating at school. I was translating at church and obviously translating for my parents at home for things they needed. But, you know, so hindsight, there there was a huge responsibility that now I, you know, realize was just an opportunity for me to grow and help someone else. Yeah. How do you feel? Because we talked about this. Well, I never really considered it until you talked about it uh, a while back. Assimilating American culture and literally, literally having to, in a sense, I wouldn't say completely, well, probably so, ignore your or what you're used to and what you came from. Um, was that something, was that a difficult transition or were you aware of that at that age? Yeah, I think, again, it's one of those things that you're not necessarily aware of. Mm-hmm. You, you become more aware of it as you get older. But, I mean, it, it, I actually became more aware of it when I went to college or back to college a couple of years ago mm-hmm. when you're talking about your your culture there's so much that you have to throw away there's so much that you have to give up mm-hmm. and sometimes not necessarily by choice it's this unfortunate but you end up being in a predicament where it's not accepted yeah. Or it's criticized, it's picked on, it's not the norm. So you you either adapt and fit in or you suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. And you know, as we all know how damaging sometimes we can be as kids in yeah. in schools and the way we critique and judge each other, so, yeah. So when y'all initially met, how long did it take before y'all decided to, I guess, start dating? 
I guess. Well, were y'all, were y'all, were y'all parents letting y'all date? Uh, or? No. Not mine. Oh. My mom didn't find out about Jesus until eighth grade. I mean, maybe she knew. Mm-hmm. You know, Thompson's small. Everybody knows everybody. But she didn't know from me until eighth grade. Um, it was like at an eighth grade dance that she let me go to. I was so happy she let me go. I usually she usually doesn't let me go to those things. Hmm. And um, he had bought me a rose, and uh, that was my first flower from a guy. And I brought it home, but like when she picked me up, I kind of hid it from her hmm. in the car. And my little cousin was sitting beside me, and she was asking me what it was, and I was like, "Oh, it's a flower," you know. She don't tell my mom. So I got to the house or whatever, and I kind of just, you know, threw it in the trash can because I didn't want her to see it because uh, I just knew I wasn't supposed to date or anything like that. And um, my cousin ended up telling on me. But, you know, surprisingly, my mom took it out of the trash can. She put it in a little vase for me, put water in it, and put it on my desk for me. And um, so then I told her about Jesus and, you know, told her he's just a friend, you know. Um... But that was it. I was I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was nervous. Because like, I was a tomboy growing up. So I had a lot of guy friends. But um, nothing like a crush crush like him. But I didn't show it to him. Mm-hmm. Kind of kept it under wraps, of course, in front of him. you know. But at home, I was like a little girl just like grinning from ear to ear type <laughs> thing. But nobody would never know. Y'all had like a secret. <laughs> secret <thing. laughs> yeah, so I actually remember buying that rose. It was actually the third attempt at going to a dance. Because mm-hmm. the very first one, I remember getting all dressed up and being so scared of whatever judgment was out there. Mm-hmm. That my dad drove me to the dance and we drove right back. <laughs> and then the second time I opted to not put any clothes on, just say I'm not going. Because I think they were every Friday when they were yeah, every other Friday. Like yeah. mm-hmm. And finally, the third one, I, I can't remember how we worked it out. I felt like there was somehow I knew she was going to be there. I knew, I, or, or we have, we might have. We might have re- planned it. Yeah, I think us. we might have planned it. I, I can't remember it happening, but. I remember asking my dad, could we stop at Walmart and get something? Mm-hmm. And my dad was not very happy about me spending money on a rose or something. And, you know, so the whole time he's kind of like talking my ear off about I'm not in a position yet to be buying women's stuff and stuff like, you know, just going down that road. But, you know, dropped me off. And I think that's when we had our first dance, yeah. which was in sync. No, right? no, it was Brandy. Brandy. Um, was it almost doesn't count? Yeah, yeah, okay. Or was it? Her, I feel like we danced to in sync too, though. We might I feel have. That, that was just it was a time where it was a time where the Backstreet Boys were really yeah. popular. In sync was really popular. Brandy was really popular, and obviously, young teenager in love. All those songs were just. You know, right up our alley, so we're able to dance, and then afterwards, I or did we kiss? I tried. Did I we think we did. Yeah, the first little kiss. Totally kiss, and <laughs> wow. yeah. that's funny because I didn't. 
think I told y'all. I didn't get my first kiss till I was 18. I mean, it wasn't like all like tongue or nothing. It was just like a... <laughs> That's all that <laughs> was. You know, it wasn't oh, like... It no, wasn't... well, even that. Like, oh, it was, okay. Because I was like, man... Your mom been kissing you for a long time, man. <laughs> right. I like that. That's <laughs> why so she made me, but I don't um, So, well, I'm pretty. I'm obviously y'all were concerned about this, but being being a um, an interracial couple, we all aware of that during that time where you just it is what it you knew you had a genuine affection towards each other that you just overlooked that or that wasn't anything of your concern during that time I think for me at that time it just it was nothing you know Mm -hmm. I mean at that time yeah I was of course you know I was not raised to dislike other colors other races Mm -hmm. you know so I saw him as just another guy. Yeah. So it didn't bother me at the time. It doesn't bother me now. You know, it wasn't a big thing for me then. Nor yeah. is it now. I became aware of it when I remember walking in and my mom had all my aunts over, my grandmother, and they were all having their usual coffee and whatever in the kitchen. And the topic of conversation was me dating a black girl. And they were all being very critical of it. And, you know, I think it might, I don't remember it being like maybe totally negative. You know, maybe they were just kind of like, you have a girlfriend, you know, just maybe um, the usual fun that surrounds it. But at the same time, critical of the fact that it was an African-American. And to the point where I was upset. I remember walking out crying and my mom walked out behind me and was like, hey, I don't care who you choose to date. I'm going to support you no matter what. Mm -hmm. But that moment was evident to me that we were were not the norm. It was was obviously something different. Yeah. Did y'all get any negative feedback from your peers that may have been direct or indirect well I think to me the dynamics in Thompson were were a certain way that I always associated myself with the colored people mm-hmm. sounds terrible saying that right but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I always associated I always associated myself you know, when, when you group it like that, I associated myself with people of color. Yeah. And not that I was racist or anything. Um, but you, sometimes in the lunchrooms, it was evident. Yeah. You sat on this side with the people that you fit in with and vice versa. And obviously, I mean, I've had, we had multiple friends that were white and uh, whatever. So it wasn't, I don't think it was ever a matter of, discrimination or racism it was just sometimes that's how I perceived it mm-hmm. they didn't think anything of it that's just how it was kind of like Thompson yeah. you know that's kind of how things were and but anyway so I I say that by getting to the point that 
when you would date someone, mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't it wouldn't seem out of the ordinary for you to date someone from the people you associate yourself with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I was fortunate <laughs> enough where I dated white girls, I dated Mexican girls, I dated black girls, and to me it was never it was never a, a question of is this right? Is this wrong? Yeah. You know, because I, 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 that that was never, I guess that was never my perception of it. When you had a white girlfriend? Um, six, seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no big deal. I just I knew you had a Mexican girlfriend. I had a white girlfriend. Just tasting the rainbow. So. Uh... <laughs> So the infamous <laughs> breakup and oh, which one? Eighth, eighth was eighth grade. Yes, that was because that's the only that's the first one that I remember, like seeing the aftermath <laughs> of that. Because I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, because I didn't see, I never saw Zeus after that. <laughs> like the, what happened to him? I just saw what was going on with you and people were like oh. surrounding you and saying. I guess actually, if you're okay, they ask you questions, and you were like, oh, it's <laughs> embarrassing. <clears throat> so uh, apparently, they uh, so uh, this was this this was your decision, obviously. Yeah, it was my decision only because um, I'm trying to think of what happened. Like, I think more so of uh, I guess the stress of having a boyfriend. No, it's just a lot. I think was going on elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the only time I really saw him was at the only time we spent time was at school. Yeah. Uh, my phone time was limited. We didn't hang out outside of school, so um, I just figured, yeah, it's just you know. And then like he said, he loved me. This is all new to me. Like I didn't know any of this stuff. Like nothing of love from you know another guy, and it was just all too much. And I'm like, I'm only. What, 13, 14? I don't know how old we were. But it was young and it was scary. And uh, I didn't, back then I just didn't express myself. I didn't show my feelings. I didn't speak up for myself. So I think just then it was like, hold up. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I got to break up with you. I don't even remember the words. I just remember people coming to me afterwards I think it was like after a class or something oh my gosh what happened are you okay okay and then it was I'm like yeah what are you talking about and they're like oh Jesus was crying and this I'm like he was crying what and I just felt <laughs> he was like not he was crying what are you crying about and that's like the hardest part that he's talking about because I came to him and I was like you were crying <laughs> but it's just because it, it was shocking to me I've never seen a man cry or a boy cry, you know, like, how can I make you cry? Like, I didn't yeah. do anything bad or anything. You know, I didn't know that his, he was into it like that. I didn't know his feelings were that strong for me. Mm -hmm. So I just, I feel, looking back now, I kind of feel bad about it. Like, but talking to him now. Like, but y'all were kids. Yeah, we were kids. Yeah. You know, it was just, everything was young and new to me. Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest issues to me when it happened and hopefully when the boys get old enough to understand this 
in those moments in an eighth grade relationship you feel like is forever yeah you know like at least I did I felt like man this is this is my potential future so when that other person's like no <laughs> that's not where I want to go you're kind of like what like you know I had all my eggs in this basket like I, you know so you it was very heartbreaking to realize that and it's almost it's, it's, it's interesting because I've always for a long time understood that I had a very mature heart and mind where it came to to loving in relationships and yes. stuff like that it was I was always more advanced than the next teenager or you know the next individual and almost you know just grew up with this romanticized idea about love that my parents had portrayed when they were teenagers and they were dating and all the stories they used to tell me so I used to love the idea of being in love and wanting to be in love and all that so you know sometimes I guess I created my own troubles by wanting this to happen so badly and then it didn't and honestly it broke my heart and it broke my heart even more when she was like unfazed that I was crying like not even like are you okay I'm sorry you know this is how the, you know it was just more like you're crying like, <laughs> I was like yeah I'm crying <laughs> but oh sorry but yeah it was it was funny but um I was thinking about the the interracial question something mm-hmm. that me and her were talking about the other night uh, if I could go back for a second um, something that the the fact now that we know that we are an interracial couple or we're becoming an interracial couple it's the only word that I can think of to describe it is kind of there's like a, a bittersweet thing to it because you obviously know that it's very sweet to be in a relationship with a person that shares something completely different than your experience Mm -hmm. but there's also a sense of bitterness or maybe just I don't know if bitterness is the right word that's but there's also a sense of sadness that you know that your kids and even you for the rest of your life will not necessarily live the wholehearted, pure relationship that you would have. And when I, when I say pure, I don't mean pure as in clean, purity, holiness, not in that sense. I mean like pure as in a person of your pure race, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like uh, when me and her were talking the other night, we we're talking about my culture, her culture is, is 50-50. We come in and we're able to give the, you know, our children and our future generations a clash of what we both enjoy out of our cultures the most and whatnot. Had we married someone of our own same culture, it's 100% yeah. of that culture. You know, That's how I grew up. That's how she grew up. So our kids won't have that. My kids have two birthdays that they have not had any 
resemblance of a Mexican culture that I've had. So when you think about it from that standpoint, it hurts, it's sad. Because it's not how I grew up. It's not the type of cake I had. There's no piñatas, there's no, you know, things of that nature. And at the same time, we are creating our own thing. Yeah. You know, we, we hope to have a piñata the next morning. We, have, we, we sing have birthday in English and in Spanish, you know, and mm-hmm. so you, you have this this weird feelings of love, but at the same time, a little bit of wishing that you could also indulge 100% your kids into 100% of what you felt growing up, mm-hmm. coming from that background, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's funny because y'all basically developing this this nuanced idea of a hybrid culture right? yeah. this mixture of this and that Everything. yeah and for you to say that this is what I am you, you're more than that right mm-hmm. adding layers to who you are and for those of you who are listening they have uh, twin boys um, going on two and a half years old and um as they're a friend, um, they I've, I see, it's funny because I'm starting to see the characteristics in them that I see in you all, uh, primarily even Elijah. He was he did something, and I looked at Ant and said, Jesus. Because he was, it's something, he <laughs> he was uh, sort of teasing Joshua, and he she ran after him. He was like, he <laughs> I'm like yeah, that's 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 Jesus, and um, and even in their faces and going back to with the uh, pictures of them as as babies, like there was a uh, when when Joshua looked like you and Eli looked like you, but as they get older, it's it's sort of mixing and matching every now and then. Yeah. So um, but realizing that as they get older, because of society, some people might not view them as oh yeah. They're uh, they're biracial. Well, no, no, they they're black. Look at their hair. They're black, right. and that's that's the reality that they have to face. Yeah. But I just wish that people would understand the totality of it. That you have two different cultures coming together that are able to uh, maintain and create something new, which is hey, we're not one. We're everything. Yeah, we're everything. And me growing up with you all, it's funny. I never saw you as a Mexican. I always saw you as Jesus. That's that's who you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but the more we started, because we've always been talking, we've always been having conversations. But the older we've gotten, the more you t- you really concentrated on. I wouldn't say concentrate to the point you um, just disregard everything else. But in 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 hindsight, you were like, you know what? I had to literally push. I had to give up a lot to be American and to be accepted and to be considered and to have a seat at the table. Right. And I started realizing he is, he is me, but I never, I still never saw you that way. But that doesn't dismiss the fact that I should have developed an understanding. And I think that's the problem. Nobody wants to develop an understanding to see your point of view or anybody else's that, that comes to a different country. Yeah. And I think, one of the biggest things that 
kind of opened my eyes to that was, you know, even when I, when I talked about how my mom and my aunts were sitting at that table having that conversation, mm-hmm. and even the conversation that my dad was talking to me about that I, I wish you could marry someone, or I wish you could be with someone of our own race, you know. Yeah. At that moment in time, you're like, my parents are racist, or my parents don't understand. Now, you or I understand that my parents knew what was being, what the potential was going to be lost in me dating a different person. And that's something that, to an extent, we all go through. You know, because I think, you know, when when you indulge yourself in another person's life, you're gonna, there's a lot of things that you're gonna have to kind of almost shed away. Yeah. You know? And unfortunately, in a societal aspect, we, we seem to almost only accept what is the norm instead of maybe going a step further and asking people, hey, no, don't, don't shed what makes you who you are. Yeah. And accepting that. It's almost like, no, we'll, we'll accept you only if you follow the current or if you, or if you go along with this route instead of saying, you know what, no, we'll, we'll, I want to, I want you as a whole, as who you are, who, what, what, you know, the different pieces of your background. And from my dad's point of view and even thinking back at my aunts, they, you know, they, they're, 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 there was a, maybe a misplaced or misunderstanding of how they wanted to portray that. You know, they, maybe they, they knew what they want. They knew those feelings, but maybe they didn't know how to necessarily explain them or say them. Mm-hmm. And I can't even say that I would have even accepted them no matter if they said them how they were supposed to be said. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was always probably going to be taken that way. So, mm. so uh, going back to uh, where your you all's relationship started, you went to high school. And when you were in high school, evidently y'all just decided this is what we're going to do. We're going to date. Because from everybody else's perspective, y'all were inseparable. Yeah, we, we didn't get back together until the summer of ninth grade. Uh, through my ninth, well, some parts of my ninth grade year, I was dating somebody else. Thank you all for tuning in so far. Um, yeah, we are barely scratching the surface. <laughs> There's so much history behind uh, these two people. I've had the pleasure of actually see them grow up, um, evolve, and mature into uh, two awesome parents. Uh, two of the, like I said, two of the strongest people I know. Uh, they've helped me out in so many different ways. Uh, one thing that they've always done is that they accepted me for who I am. That's just how big their hearts are. So, uh, but continue to listen and um, become more engaged with their with their story. It's 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 nice to witness from the outside, and I hope 
this uh, conversation provides just a peek into what their lives consist of um, all the way from middle school to the moment I held their two sons for the first time in both arms so it was um, it was a it was very much an honor very much an honor um, but yeah continue to listen in to uh, Jesus and Antoinette Ramos on episode 23 of the glory in our stories again I hope this is something that can enrich you and remind you that um, that you too um, are not alone in um, experiencing life so anyway I'm not going to bore you with backstory or anything so uh, just keep listening in <laughs> No? No, I didn't. CJ. I'm dead serious. Hold on. Yes, because at the end of that that ninth grade year, I asked about, I asked you, or was it somebody else I asked about you? I just remember asking somebody, like we were leaving school or whatever, summer of ninth grade, and I asked about Jesus. I don't know if I asked you or was it one of our other friends, but yeah. So that uh that transition to high school was interesting because obviously he was dating somebody else. Freshman. His he that was like the, the Mexican girl. He got a Mexican know. girl. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I might. I think I remember that. We we were we were freshmen, and there was a lot of seniors. There was a lot of juniors, and you're like, man, you know. Yeah. There's a broadened horizon. He's that, like, oh, there's more ladies out there for me. There's a, there's a broadened horizon, but at the same time, I knew that there was something special that me, that me and Sonette didn't necessarily get a chance to really explore. Explore because I mean, our relationship was so short and <laughs> and also so so secretive. Like we, yeah. we really couldn't necessarily do much, like hang out, go out, you know, do stuff like that. And when we got to high school, it was almost like a sense of liberty because there was almost more things that we can do. Not only just more people you could meet, but also more things you could do as far as, you know, activities and, and sports. And usually parents would allow you to do a little bit more because you were getting older. Mm-hmm. So that I remember that summer, ironically enough, the older that I got, the closer I moved to Antoinette. <laughs> so I think when, when we first met, I was living across town. And that freshman year, I think we literally moved either that freshman or that sophomore year. No, no, the freshman year, we I moved close to you. Close mm-hmm. to about where you live. What's, I forgot the name of this street. Yeah. yeah. So that was, again, across town. Mm-hmm. 10th grade, we moved to her side of town. Yeah. 11th grade, mm-hmm. 11th grade, we were like almost He's two blocks down. No, we were, yeah, we were two blocks down. You were living next to Shu. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I, we ended up staying the rest until I graduated. But it was almost like 
not only was it happening in our relationship, it was almost physically happening. We were getting closer and closer as we were getting older. And, you know, it, it was... So our relationship, we were able to explore our relationship more because we were closer. So we were able to walk down the street and see each other. I was able to, you know, we were able to play, play basketball, basketball over our house, like almost every day those summers and hang out and stuff. So it allowed for us to be able to do those things that we didn't necessarily get to do when we were first dating in seventh grade or eighth grade. Yeah. You were, um, you were like the, the daughter of the queen that wouldn't let her daughter <laughs> Because every time, man, like we, like you gonna ask, cause we, we were, those were listen, we were, we took turns asking to play basketball at Antoinette's house because she had a nice court in the, in the front yard. But her mom is in there. <laughs> Did, sometimes she doesn't want people over, which is understandable. But we were kids. We didn't, we weren't thinking about that. So uh, it was me, Jesus, three other guys, Shamarius, uh, Charles, and Arcephus. And every weekend we'd go over there and try to play basketball and we would stand on in the road yep. and we're like hey man whose who's turn is the axe and we act, literally took turns every every weekend and the, we only we knew that we were able to play if somebody turned around at the door and we're like hey <laughs> not yeah and if not you're like alright man what, what are we gonna do now we'll get in the car with Walmart or something <laughs> So that's, that's, well, that's actually how I got baptized by fire. So I think in one of those times we were over there playing, mm-hmm. her mom came outside. I think they were having some kind of party. Um, and the whole family was over there. I think everyone that I knew anyways was there. And we were allowed to come and play ball and even get drinks and eat, probably. eat or whatever. But her mom was like, that's him. And they came and they got me. And they like walked me around, you know, meeting this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. And she was just introduced me to everyone. And yeah, this is the boy that brought Internet the flower. This is the boy that bought her that ring, and sh- which she returned oh, yeah. to me. <laughs> she told I me I couldn't, buy her, I couldn't buy her uh, jewelry. I forgot about that And I was like terrified because... <laughs> We had heard so many stories about um, how intimidating her mom could be. And, I mean, it just, uh, it created this opportunity for us. Like, she always, I, I, I remember she used to always tell us, I can only tell y'all no. Maybe a hell no, <laughs> but it can only be a no for a Yes. So that was kind of like the attitude that we took when we wanted to play basketball. And even yeah. with me wanting to take her daughter out, if we wanted to go to the movies, it was either going to be a yes, a yes or a no. Usually hell no. You know, because I was always scared to ask. I was always scared to ask. And her mom was very adamant that I shouldn't be scared to ask. Yeah. You know, and it didn't make it any easier. Sure we, we had to take turns asking who was going to play ball. And yeah. Sometimes we would not even ask. We just dribble the ball under or you guys will wait till we, me and Antoine were outside playing basketball yeah. or something. Then you'll come. That was our pass. That was yeah. your pass to just come yeah. on over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we knew that. <laughs> um, so you, so high school passes, and of course, um, at the end of high school, what was you all's mindset as far as not just you all's relationship, but your plans for Ooh. for your life? Um, well, my plans were to go into the service. Uh, but little did I know that that wouldn't happen, but just how I actually left Thompson. It was a shocker to me how I left. Um, I just remember upon graduation, my mom telling me that, hey, after you graduate, you know, your dad them are coming down or coming from Florida and uh, you're going to leave with them. I was like, what? I didn't know that. I thought that was your choice. You know, oh. she told me I had to go because I was not at that moment like sure, sure that I wanted to go into the service. Mm-hmm. And I definitely knew that I would. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't know what I wanted to go to school for. So she was like, either you go ahead and let me know if you want to go to college, where you want to go, start getting that in order, or you going to Florida. Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I'll be going to Florida. But I was like pleaded to her to wait till either after my birthday or after his birthday to leave. Hmm. And I think, was it your birthday? Well, this was, this was actually the, the best part of my life. One of my favorite moments because her mom actually like put her out. And my mom... Well, no, 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 no. This yeah, is you after... you celebrated my birthday at my house. No. She let me stay. She didn't put me out then. She let me stay. Then it was she let me stay to his birthday, mm-hmm. and then after that, they you know I went to Florida. I got put out after I came back from Florida. I got to visit. I'm sure. Positive. Well, you guys shared my house for a while. <laughs> <laughs> <It was awesome. laughs> no. But yeah, that's so I moved to Florida with my dad, and um, still at the time I chose not to go into the service. Cause I kept having these dreams, weird dreams, and I just felt that it wasn't, it wasn't the right thing to do. So I started working. September two thousand fourteen, when I got my first, not two thousand fourteen, oh my gosh, okay. September two thousand four, yeah. <laughs> is when I got my first job, and I've just been working ever since. I mean, so started school back up. Hopefully, I can finish up in twenty twenty and be done. We'll see. That was uh, what was it? Oh, uh, that was for for Jesus and I. Jesus went to Mexico to help your dad. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so that your dad. summer. He went to Mexico. No, he did. That was oh. the summer after you graduated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the summer after we graduated, I went to Mexico. You went to Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. I was in Mexico hanging out with my dad for the summer. I gotta stop say something. This was the year that uh, the Lakers were playing Detroit, and we were so because we were on the phone. We were yeah. so pissed because the Lakers were down twenty points the entire game, and that was I think that was the last time I actually started watching, stopped watching them repeatedly because mm-hmm. that it, it didn't make sense how that happened. But every time I think about that summer, that's that's one thing that comes to mind. So my bad. <laughs> yeah, so I was down there for the summer, and we were just kind of hanging out, I think, for, 
Or do I have the timetables mixed up? Was it that summer or that winter that you went to Arkansas? That we were in Arkansas? Because I feel like it was Christmas time. What happened is we, I went to Because no, Arkansas. It, had to, it had to have been the summer if, we, if the Lakers were playing. Yeah. But I did go back that November. Yeah, because I yeah. went back too mm-hmm. during Christmas. So I was hanging out with my dad for the summer and then I, you know, ended up coming back to go to school where I ended up going to Jacksonville school where she was there at. There he is following me. Told you, like, I just <laughs> got, kept staying close to her, but I ended up going to JU and it was like a last minute thing. Uh, worked out, went, and I was there for the semester only mm-hmm. and when I found out that my uh, financial aid wasn't going to be accepted because of my immigration status I ended up realizing I had to return home and I ended up having to come back home and uh, at the time my mom was transitioning on her way to move to Texas so I was only able to stay with her temporarily before she moved I had started working and when she moved, she moved with the intent that I was coming right behind her. Mm-hmm. But I never went. I ended up staying behind and they moved and I stayed here working. And, but that before I started working, that's when we went back. Because when you went to Arkansas and I had went back to Mexico. And the reason I went to Mexico that Christmas after my school didn't work it's because my mom wanted me to get enrolled in school in Mexico and there were there was opportunity for me to be able to still play soccer and potentially you know get in school get my education but transcript wise and all this accreditation that I had excuse me attained in the United States was very difficult to get transferred over or equivalent to was in Mexico so I ended up being down there. I like I literally took everything I owned. Like I had like three or four suitcases of stuff that I was piling along with me because I knew that my mom wasn't gonna be there or potentially not be there when I come back. Mm-hmm. And I went to Juarez, spent some time with my dad. From Juarez, I went to Chihuahua and spent some time with my cousins there. And ended up coming back. And then when it was time for me to return, my mom was like, okay, well, if you can't figure it out there, I think we can figure it out for you in Amarillo where we're going to move in Texas. So I need you to come back now. I had no money. My dad was uh, in a position where he had no money. So I had nowhere to get back. And I called Antoinette. And we, uh, I, remember, I remember specifically being, I think we were in a hospital for some reason. And I called her from a payphone. I had to buy the phone cards back then. Yeah. So I had to buy the phone cards when I was talking to you. Um, we were at a payphone, and I remember talking to her and uh, telling her what was going on, catching up, seeing how she was doing, and then just asking her for a big favor if I could borrow the bus fare mm-hmm. to go from Mexico or from El Paso all the way to uh, Amarillo, where my mom was going to meet me, and then from there we were going to go back to Georgia 
And she was like, yeah, you know, it's fine. And it was so funny because my cousin, uh, Lalo, uh, Serge's older brother, he was like, who are you talking to? And I was like, oh, <laughs> and he he had And he knew who Antoinette was because he took our pictures for prom and everything. He was like, man, you should just see your smile when you're talking to her. You just light up. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, we weren't together. Yeah. You know, we weren't, we weren't together, so... It was, uh, I had promised to pay her back. I don't know if I ever did. I don't did. know. I don't remember. I gave her two kids. She's fine. Well, whatever. <laughs> no, I gave you two kids. Let's get that correct. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, I would have given it to you without expecting payment. Okay. So at one, at one point, because uh, eventually you all, um, we're in a position thinking of thinking that the next step would be marriage. Oof. So at one point, were you all ever at a point where you're like, you know what, this I'm I'm prepared for this or I'm ready. No matter what the no matter what it brings, this is what I'm the next step that I'm willing to take. Well, we when we officially got back together, because I think I spent about three and a half, four years in Jacksonville. And I uh, decided to move back home, and we got back together. And I think I remember telling him, like, okay, okay, we've been playing this game too long. And I was like, okay, if we get back together this time, if it doesn't work, then that's it. There's no coming back to one another years down the road. This is it. So either make it work or not. But that's how it was. I mean, we we were together for I don't remember how long we were together for before we got engaged. But after like some years after getting back together, I was like, all right, I think I'm you know I'm ready. I could have been like twenty four, twenty four maybe. I don't remember how old we were when we got married. I mean, I think to me, it wasn't, it wasn't a matter of, I guess in my mind, I mean, honestly, from back from eighth grade, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to marry her, right? And I, I would, I think that's, to me, it, it was almost reason why we broke up to begin with back then, because it was intimidating to her how strong I was coming mm-hmm. on, right? I mean, I wanted to marry her, I would, I would talk about us seeing Growing us old together, having kids. Oh, back well, let's in. rewind though. Like there was a time when we were in high school, still dating, and we was on my mom's front porch, and he asked me, he was like, "Antoinette, will you marry me?" Yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was laughing. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, no. I was like, we're kids. What do you mean? Will I marry? Yeah. So there was there was always this idea that to me there was that was what's gonna happen or the yeah. intent, you know, uh, but. When we got, after we had gone through so much with everything that happened, I think we had also realized a, you know, the, the reality that uh, things happen, people change, things change. And, you know, so it was, it was more of a, is this actually going to happen? And, you know, we had been apart for a couple of years. We had both uh, been able to grow apart and experience different things. So, 
whenever we came back together, it was this idea of, you know, we, we, we were taking strategic steps to help each other get to a point where we could rationally make a decision about our future. Because financially, we were both trying to figure it out. Academically, we were both trying to figure it out, which neither one of us was in school at the time, but we were, that's what was our desire. Um, she was transitioning home. We had just got transitioned out of a home. We yeah. had got <laughs> oh, yeah, both, out yeah. of uh, <laughs> our current living situation. So it was all this, like, there was so much going on. So it was almost like, it, it wasn't like, this is the step where we took and then boom from there we went married it was it was it was a projection or trying to get to a, a foundation that was stable enough for us to make some better decisions and but I just know I was ready before he was ready uh, no because I asked yeah. you back in your well and you I mean in our adulthood I should say when we were adults I was ready before he was and I don't remember how many years ahead of time. Maybe like a year before he actually proposed. Maybe a little bit more. <clears throat> I was ready. But he wasn't. I always drop hints. We'll get into arguments about it. So then finally I was like, okay, whatever. You know. <laughs> but one time I was like, I'll just keep in my mind. I'll set a date. If it doesn't happen by then, then I have to move on. But yeah. looking back now, it was just, I was being immature. Because I was mature. I was not ready back then to be married. I was still young. I had, a, like, still a lot to do. Yeah. And I think, like, part of me sometimes, like, I kind of rushed it. Trying to get married early. But he, he knew when was the right time. Well, I think my fear was coming from my background and my family and my parents being separated <clears throat> there was a lot of fear and a lot of doubt because I knew that things were good now mm-hmm. and I knew that when people got married things were going to change yeah you know things change and I'm, I'm glad you said that because many people would expect you to say get worse but you said change yeah so yeah yeah and I mean I think you know it's, it's I think as individuals we're, we're all changing for the better yeah. if not we're you know not progressing but mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with relationships and um, to an extent there's a lot of things that we can continue to do the same and it'd be great but Eventually, we need to change in demeanors and actions and so forth. And marriage brings this kind of, you know, this this new um, sense of responsibility that we both hold as husband and wife, and mm-hmm. and as a you know as protection for our marriage and even our kids now. But anyway, so there was there was this amount, there was this tremendous amount of responsibility that I knew marriage as a whole held that I felt unready for yeah and it was also 
not one of those things that I wanted to go in lightheartedly mm. and walk out of lightheartedly. I wanted to make sure that, you know, to me, I've always had this idea where it's like, this is something that you need to commit for your life. So I approached it with that mentality, and there's why I created such a, you know, intimidating effect on me. Yeah. So um, since we got about two minutes left, no. I'm gonna try to <laughs> try to sum it up in one question or two questions in one. This year, y'all be celebrating six years, right? Yes. Um. Wow. Mm. Like I, rem- I remember when you did finally when you did propose, and I remember, um, I remember the wedding. I remember the uh, birthday card you gave Roel when you yeah. were mm-hmm. revealing to him that he was gonna be an uncle. Um, I remember being obviously being at the hospital at the birth of the boys. Oh, that dramatic! Oh man, but I can. The best, one of the best, and I actually got a picture of it. I think most of them do. One of the best things, because obviously you were still in the back and mm-hmm. being taken care of. Um, but there was a picture in there where Jesus was in the uh, the nursery, and Eli was on one side of the room and Joshua was on the other, and you were standing in the middle, but you were trying to decide. Okay, I'm gonna be here with with Eli, then I gotta go back over here to to Joshua, and that was the time they got the initial shots. And um, I was like, I can only imagine what's going through your mind at that moment. Not only do you have one child, you have two. Two different personalities, two different spirits, two different experiences. Um, But as a friend, like you all's life, like I knew, I knew this was going to happen. Like this, honestly, I I was just anticipating it. But I was blessed enough to actually see basically from the onset of your relationship all the way to now and it's 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 like a movie but mm-hmm. not in the sense that it's fun like it's it's amazing mm-hmm. it's amazing because y'all be going back and forth only to come back to the middle and get married and have kids and now your your careers are like just you're, you're doing what you were created to do you were put here to do and um well, I guess my, my question is, if you can sum up your experience as a married couple and as parents and being together for six years, and not even most people don't even make it past two, uh, let alone six. And of course, once you get to the seven, they call it that seven year itch. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, y'all of it's so easy to look at the surface and be like, yeah, everything's fine. But you all have reminded me and other people all the time, like this is this is a, it's work. Oh yes. But it's work worth going through. Um, but what would what would your advice be to those who look towards marriage and be like, man, I don't know because my parents weren't together for so long. And my my case, my parents weren't together at all during my life, so I don't know what that looks like at home. But that doesn't defeat the desire. So, but what would your advice be to those who would like to step um, into this? I'll say fear? like um, just make sure there's communication. 
I say communication is key. You're not always going to agree at all with anything, and there is compromise. You have to be willing to compromise. You have to be willing to sometimes put your pride down and just, you know, let the other person get what they want at that time. Um, definitely, you have to um, put God first. Yeah. A lot of prayer. Uh, surround yourself with. I think a lot of with a lot of other good couples, like God-filled couples. Even like people older than you. Like we have a couple now. Like you know we've known for a while that you know we look up to. They're married. Been married for a long time, and um, I think to me they're our role models. Keep the problems kind of in-house. Yeah. Don't go talking to Sally and Jane about every little thing, every arguments and all this stuff. Don't tell all your business to everybody. Like whatever goes on in your marriage is between you and your husband. Yeah. It's an intimate thing. And you try to work it out. It's just communication, number one. Agree to disagree, I guess you could kind of say, but just talk. Yeah. Even if you don't want to. Try, don't go to bed upset with each other. Don't <laughs> don't sleep in two separate beds either yeah. <laughs> at that night. It's so hard. I'm not going to lie. Like, there has been times I have still gone to bed upset at him, but yeah. it's not, you know, you're not supposed to. I think you should just kind of settle it at night, but it's hard. Yeah. It's not easy at all. I think the two things that, maybe three, that jump out to me more is transparency. And I think for people who are definitely considering being in a long-term relationship, marriage, you got to be really transparent with people. Be, you know, be upfront about what you want, what your intentions are, what your goals are, and hopefully the other individuals being transparent too. And then you can, you know, have that foundation where both of you are coming from a pure, knowledgeable area where you can make a decision if this is something you want to go to and you know I think a lot of the times what held me back sometimes from popping the question was that I wanted that perfect moment I wanted it to be the perfect situation cars paid already having my job except you, you want to be perfect and the reality is that there's there's no perfect about it and you know she's not perfect you're not perfect but when you're transparent, you're able to put your imperfections on the table. And that's when somebody is able to even love you more because it accepts you not only for who you are with your mistakes, but the potential that you have to be. Yeah. And I, um, the other thing is, um, you know, obviously I, I've heard it. Uh, someone recently told me that marriage is, uh, is not always a, a compromise of, equal percentages. There's days she puts in a hundred. Days. I put in zero. Right. <laughs> and there's days where I maybe do sixty and she does forty. Or you know, there's days that we both equally put in fifty percent and into our marriage. Right. And there's days that you feel that you're not getting anything. Right? <laughs> Anyways, um, 
but so so you got to understand that sometimes that's going to happen and it's okay you know there's another day for you to hopefully either make up for what you didn't do or um, to just understand that you're in it not for necessarily always what you're going to get yeah. and, and you have to understand that um, and the, the last thing I would just say um, you know definitely uh, take some kind of class marriage you know, counseling. some kind of marriage counseling something somewhere where you can talk to some individuals that um, have a little bit more experience in and the right question to ask, the right things to, to maybe pique your interest that you maybe hadn't considered. Because uh, there, there's a lot of issues that come up in the marriage that you really don't anticipate. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you're clouded by your emotions, you're clouded by that, you know, that twinkle in her eye and that beautiful mm-hmm. smile of hers, but then you don't realize how, how finances are going to be held or, or maybe she's, she has a different, a different religious background than you. And how, how, how is that going to work? You know, or or maybe she just has a different perspective on how you're going to raise the kids, and, and you know these are these are issues that I think make a big deal. Yeah. When you're talking about a marriage, right, a long-term relationship, so it's great to have all those things come up on the table in the beginning mm-hmm. when we're talking about being transparent. So then, when you move forward, you you know where that person is coming from, and it's nothing new to you. Where you're like, hey, this is not what I signed up for. Those of you who are listening, it's just scraping, like barely scraping. Yes, it is. <laughs> the uh, we have a, a lot of history. We've been in each other's lives doing the worst, doing the best, uh, fun. Um, I think Antoinette and I can agree that when it comes to classrooms, Jesus is a huge distraction. Very much so. So, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, it's hard not to get pulled into it because it's just... We, um, growing up, despite the different backgrounds we had, we had the, a commonality of just good friendship. Um, yeah. There were moments where we were, we were very candid with each other, and nobody wanted to hear it, but it needed to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's weird. And I, I thought about this today, the cool thing about their names alone. And I, it blew my mind. Um, and I was telling Jesus about it. his name. His Jesus in Spanish, but the Hebrew um, word first uh, Jesus is Jesus. And Jesus has been by my side for a very long time. And he's always carried the loads of my mistakes and my bad choices. But he never judged me. Uh, he always accepted me for what I was. The day I... He, I'm pretty certain you remember we were supposed to fill out applications for college and he came over and he said you ready I said uh uh-uh. uh and I'm thinking he was going to get upset but he just came in uh, we were like 18 or 19 or something we were supposed to be filling out applications for school but that's, that was the kind of friend he's always been um, and as I got older I think it's very wise to have a brother that holds you accountable who you are, promises that you make, and the potential that you have, uh, the potential that you have in the future. For them to be able to see that, um, it's very admirable. 
and <laughs> Antoinette. Um, in short, we call her Ant. But if people who know anything about ants, they have the ability to carry weight, maybe five to ten times their body weight. So Antoinette has always carried a lot. Always been a strong individual. Um, also, mom said it's, it's funny seeing her interact with them, knowing, <laughs> thinking back, and I know you all have, thinking about the parenting that your parents had with you and yeah. how that sometimes you see it in what you're doing or you find yourself doing something different. Yes. Um, but they're two of the strongest people that I know, very consistent. Despite the off and on, uh, they've always, and I always knew that. They, you all had each other, even when you weren't together. I was like, this, you can't say Antoinette without Jesus. You can't say Jesus without Antoinette. Like that was that was just inevitable. Um, but um, but thank you both for You're telling welcome. your story. Um, thank you. Again, this we have we have a lot of <laughs> a lot of fun times overall. Oh yes. But um, I can honestly say they have been good friends over the last few years they've graduated from being friends to family i can't just think of them as friends anymore like they they will be aunt and uncle of my my children whenever i have them so that's that's inevitable um but thank you all for listening uh, again this is uh, episode 23 of the glory in our stories of, uh, <laughs> jesus and antoinette ramos deuces